Lord Almighty, as we gather before our computer screens, but more importantly, we gather, gather before you, I pray that you would be honored. Lord, there are many distractions that would keep us from hearing your word. And there are many things that would prevent us from wanting to obey your word. We pray for your spirit to join us here so that we can be changed and become more like the men and women of God that you have created us to be. Lord, I pray that you would open your word and open us so that we would know you better and therefore love you and trust you more. Amen. Somebody recently figured out that we have 35 million laws to enforce the Ten Commandments. So said Earl Wilson. It's because everybody wants an angle. Everybody wants to have a way around whatever law is in their way. The lawyers in Jesus' day found 613 laws in the books of Moses. They wrote libraries of laws and comments on the law. But those comments on the law were simply a way to compartmentalize, to circumvent the law. Because they wanted, like we lawyers today, to know what is legal. What can I get away with? I found a loophole and I'm going to jump through it. But that's not how God intended the Ten Commandments to be used. The Ten Commandments are the requirements of the covenant of God that he offers to us. God, through his various promises, invites us, come to me. By all means, come to me, but come rightly. Come through my covenants because there is no other way. You may remember the very first week in this series, I mentioned Jason Meyer's comment, God's commands are invitations wrapped in obligations. Now, for those of us who love God and are called according to his purposes, to those of us who belong to God's covenant, invitation and obligation are both welcome. But seeking loopholes, trying to pull a fast one on God, seeking to do just the minimum, squeak by with good fire insurance, no. No. God wants to change your life. If your life hasn't changed since you trusted Jesus, have you trusted Jesus? God doesn't want anything you have. God wants you. So then, what about these 613 laws? The Ten Commandments are a summary of the law. The other 1613 laws, 613 laws, are the outworking, the case laws that explain how the Ten Commandments are to be carried out in any given specific circumstance. In your daily life, enjoying the covenant you have with God, what will these Ten Commandments look like? And the Ten Commandments are God laying out exactly what he expects of us concisely. This is how he wants us to live. And remember, never forget, you are saved by the wood and you are taught 
by the stone. You are saved by the wood before you are taught by the stone. The Ten Commandments were never meant to save you. They did not save you in Moses' day. They don't save you today. You are saved by trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He lived the perfect life. He died the perfect death so that you could be credited with righteousness and be forgiven of your sins. And if you trust this promise of God, then you are now a child of God. And this dark world is a perfectly safe place for you to be. If you are in Christ, you are safe and you are loved. And the law, specifically the Ten Commandments, was given to us to guide us, to restrain sin in the world, to convict everyone of sin, and to instruct believers on our duties we have before the living God. Properly used, the law of God, specifically the Ten Commandments as seen in light of the clarifications in the New Testament, properly used, the law of God doesn't save because it was never meant to save. It was meant to provide light so that we could see our need for salvation in the wood at the cross. Therefore, it does not surprise the man, woman, or child who looks intently into the perfect law that what they find there is freedom. James 1.25 tells us this. The one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he or she, we will be blessed in our doing. If, for example, you don't lie, you are free not to remember what lie you told to whom. That seems reasonable. But the liberty James speaks of goes much deeper than that. Freedom, or this liberty that he's talking about, this freedom is the willingness and ability to do what is best and have no regret. That is the liberty James promises to those who live according to God's word. And this blessing that James tells us will be ours is God's grace, God's undeserved power we must have by God's spirit so that we will persevere according to his perfect law, the law of liberty. Now, Moses... 3,500 years ago, knew that the letter of the law was not ultimate. The letter of the law will not save. So Moses himself gave us a summary of the law, another way of stating the requirements which Yahweh gave his people in his covenant. Let's look at what Moses wrote, Deuteronomy 10, 12, and 13. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your own good. Now, I remember this passage jumped off the page for me the first time I noticed it while I was in seminary. We are required by law to fear God and to love him. Now I have a question. 
Washing your hands, I get. Not murdering people around you, I get. But how on earth are you going to measure fear and love? Well, I guess you can if you're God. But my friends, we're not talking rocket science here. You and I see fear in and love in how we live. How we align ourselves relative to the temptations we face. Not that we will always win, but we will always fight. Not perfection, but perseverance. For example, do you want to fight the temptation to steal? Fear putting yourself in a wrong relationship to God more than you fear not having some trinket. Do you want to be able to fight temptation to covet? Love God. Do you want to fight the temptation to lie? Love your near one. Do you want to be able to fight the tendency not to gather together for worship? Then read God's word so that it becomes a part of you and you long for the day when God's word is all of you. Oh, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But then I want you to notice how Moses makes love him, love God, and serve the Lord your God parallel. Moses makes one an expansion of the other. Now, do you remember how we noted Piper's teaching on loving money last time? Loving money, we saw, means you do everything you can to get the benefit of money. Same here. Know and love and trust God's promises because that's what it takes to benefit from God's bounty. God counts trusting his promises as serving him. That is what it means to live by faith, not by sight. But then Moses comes full circle. He says, keep the commandments. Why, Moses? Because you still live in a sin-sick world. Because you still live in your fallen flesh. So obey. Learn to know the Ten Commandments and how Jesus and his disciples interpret them and expand them so that you will be able to understand the covenant to which you belong. Ask God to turn your affections to him and away from those things that would keep your heart from him. Turn your attention to him and you will find that as you know him better, you will therefore love him and trust him more. And as you and I walk down this road, we will find that it becomes easier to fight temptation. As we continue down this road, we will find that it is also easier to repent when we do sin. My friends, this is a large part of what it means to fear the Lord. Now, last time we talked about the fear of the Lord, specifically in how it's related to the 10th commandment, you shall not covet. And those who love God's word understand, therefore, the heartwardness of the 10 commandments as it was originally given. So that when we come to Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount and we see that he makes this heartwardness explicit, we are not surprised. And so, with Deuteronomy 10 in mind, we are not surprised when Jesus provides his own twofold summary of the law. We call it the Great Commandment. 
Matthew chapter 22, verse 34. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question to test him. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Love God, love your near one. These two commandments are like each other. The Greek word used here is the one used when comparing not just two pieces of fruit, say an apple and an orange, but when comparing two gala apples, these gala apples are like each other. And Jesus makes it clear that if we love God, we will love others as well. Now I need to note, Satan has lied to many when he said this verse means you must love yourself. That lie rose on the smoke of the pit of hell. Instead, Jesus in Matthew 22 remarks on the known reality that you already love yourself. So now love others just like you love yourself. Now, of the many verses I could use in both Testaments to demonstrate how loving God and loving people are closely related, I just want to cut to the chase and remind ourselves of the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. You remember what's going on. Jesus was teaching, and this lawyer approached him, and the lawyer answered his own question correctly. What's the greatest commandment? The greatest commandment is to love God and love your neighbor. And Jesus congratulated the lawyer on being right. You got it. Way to go. But the lawyer sensed an opportunity to preen his own feathers and asked, well, who is my near one? By the way, every time Jesus talks about your neighbor, I paraphrase that to say your near one. Because Jesus is not only talking about that person you hate when they grilled tri-tip next door without you. Jesus is talking about whomever it is God brings near you who is in need of your and my love. So let's bring Jesus' story of the good politician into the 21st century. Walking down the road, seeing a wounded person, the Sunday school teacher would not give the wounded and desperate Christian a hand. The pastor, likewise walking down the road, would not give the wounded and desperate Christian a hand. Instead, it was the LGBT activist who stopped and helped the wounded slob on the side of the road. It was the activist who was the one who gave him physical and emotional and medical and financial assistance to get that wounded Christian back on his feet. Maybe for you, it would be better if I called the man who helped his near one the local abortionist. The point is that Jesus picked the person that would be least likely, presumed least likely by his hearers to offer the help needed. Perhaps most Samaritans, LGBT activists, and abortionists would not offer the kind of help to this forlorn Christian, but this one did. 
One time I remember I was under a collapsed set of shelves in my garage and my lesbian neighbors came to rescue me when I called out, praise Jesus for those women. Your neighbor is the one God put in your path, the one God put near you, the one who needs your love right now, no matter what they call themselves. So love one another. Love one another by serving them when and where they have needs. Of course, this presumes that you know them well enough to know what they need. So start today. Find out what it is they need. Love one another. And given the now encyclopedic knowledge you have of the Ten Commandments at the end of this series, which command... Did this abortionist break when rendering love to God by blessing this wounded Christian on the side of the road? Well, none of them, of course, which is half the point. The other half of the point is that by loving his near one, these activists demonstrated what it looks like to keep all of the commandments of God in that one specific situation, which is why... Loving God and loving your neighbor fulfills all the law and prophets. All of everything God requires. And so we arrive at the main place I want to land today. I want to discuss the new commandment. We find it in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, Jesus says... That you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Having just read the summary of the law in Matthew 22, where Jesus says loving God and loving your near one are synonymous, not exactly the same, but they are certainly related like one gala apple is related to another gala apple. Now we come to the new commandment, the final summary of the law. So let's look first at what about this command is not new. Look with me at Leviticus 19.18. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you must love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You see, as many as 1,500 years before Jesus spoke, the command to love your near one was declared by God. Paul also presses the point in Galatians 5.14, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So obviously the command love your neighbor is in itself not new. So what is new in the new commandment. It is the degree to which we are called to love our near one. In Matthew 22, we are commanded to love our near one as much as we love ourselves. Are you willing to sacrifice for your own good? Be willing to sacrifice for others. Are you willing to be inconvenienced when you want something? Be willing, willing to be inconvenienced for others. Just like the abortionist who helped the Christian on the side of the road, just like the politician who 
was the one who gave the physical, emotional, medical, and financial assistance to get that wounded Christian back up on his feet. You, Christian, have God the Spirit giving you resources to do the same. What's holding you back? Wow, you say, that's an amazing amount of love. Indeed. But God the Son is never satisfied. God demands of you not your stuff. God demands you. Then, when you belong to him already, when you are already redeemed, it will please you to give your time, your talent, and your treasure to help the struggling LGBT activist couple next door. Not only when their garage shelves fall on them, but when they just need someone to love them. The psalmist compares it to how non-believers rejoice when their crops and new wine abound. For us who belong to Jesus, our joy abounds when we cause our near ones to rejoice because of Jesus. Therefore, Jesus says in John 13, love one another as I have loved you. Now, I mean, let's just be honest with each other for a second. I don't really need to preach on this, do I? Because that demand is impossible. No one has ever commanded such a hard thing. Charge into withering enemy fire? Sure. Grasp the burning brand to save a child? Absolutely. All kinds of things have been demanded, but oh my goodness, this is way over the top. It's not natural. Maybe it's not even moral. Christian, you and I are not called to a natural life. Christian, you and I are called to a supernatural life. And what can be more moral than obeying the command of the God who made you? You are not called to a natural life, Christian. You are called to a supernatural life. You are called to a life led by the Spirit. You are called to love your neighbor like Jesus loves you. That is what makes the new commandment new. You are called to love others just like Jesus loved you. Listen, dying every day to sacrificing only for your own wants and needs and living every day sacrificing for your near one's wants and needs. No, you cannot do that. You are absolutely right. You cannot live like that unless you are abiding in Christ, unless you are trusting in His promises. You are not called to your own consciousness version of this sacrificial love. You are called to something that is at the same time much more difficult and much more powerful. You are called to be led by the Spirit to show love as He calls you to show that love to your near one no matter what they call themselves. So immerse yourself in God's Word. 
It is in God's word that you will know God better so that you can love him and trust him more. It is when you go to God's word and then go to your near ones in love that you will then come to know God better and love him and trust him more. Because you will see it. You will see him in action in and through and for you. Which brings us right back to where we belong. The cross. Here is where we need the wood. Here is where we need the cross and the grace of God. God's undeserved power to accomplish kingdom purposes in and through and for you. And in and through and for your near one. If, as I noted earlier... You try to be saved by living and persevering in the new commandment. You will find no more life than the Jews did who tried to find life in lawyering up on the Ten Commandments. Obedience to the new commandment. Obedience to the command to love God and love your near ones with the sacrificial love Jesus modeled on the wood is not found by gritting your teeth and scraping by with the bare minimum to be called good. Because there is none good, no, not one. Obedience to the command to love is founded, it is based, it is rooted in the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. His love and sacrifice for you. Jesus on the cross bought the miracle of your obedience to this command. You can and therefore must love because Jesus loved, loves, and will forever love you. You can and therefore must love because in Christ you are safe and you are loved. In Christ, in this covenant with God, you now have the resources to risk and to put yourself in a position where if God doesn't come through, you're going to look like a fool. But God won't fail. He won't leave you in the lurch. Because Emmanuel, God with us, God won't fail in his promises to you in Christ. And so now you can love like he loves you. What does that look like? What will it look like for you this week as you seek to fulfill the commandments of God by loving your neighbor and therefore also loving God? It's not complicated. The Christian life is not complicated. We complicate it with our legal wrangling and trying to compartmentalize or circumvent the law of love. But it really and truly boils down to the basics. No, and therefore love and trust the promises of God for you in Christ. In the morning, rise up to know God through reading God's word until you comprehend a portion of God's word. Ask him to help you and don't let him go. Wrestle with him until he gives you a blessing. 
Until you are able to claim a promise and then get up and live according to that promise all day long. Live in such a way that is unmistakable to you that His promises are transforming your life. Live, persevere by looking for a way to serve. I mean, love. No, I mean, serve your near one. Get in a small group of like-minded men or women and find out what it looks like to claim these promises so that you can encourage one another, so that you can spur one another on to love and good deeds. Christian, you don't need 35 million laws to enforce the Ten Commandments. You need a heart that is secure in a covenant with God, knowing you are safe, knowing you are loved. You and I need a heart that is taught in the requirements of the covenant and a heart that is renewed by God the Spirit, a heart that is born again by the grace of God so that the law is written there and you know that you know that you know you are a child of God and therefore you are safe and you are loved. My friends, that day is now. And that day is still to come. We do not have the fullness. We do not have perfection. But we have perseverance because of the God living in us and through us. And because now you are safe and because now you are loved in God's gracious covenant, you can go and love one another. Oh Lord, as we have examined these Ten Commandments over these couple of months, I pray that you would teach our hearts to trust in you. Let, Lord, remind us that we are saved by the wood. We are not saved by the stone. And Lord, remind us that we are taught by the stone so that we can live our salvation by the wood out in our daily lives. And those who are our near ones will see it. They too will taste that salt. They will see the light that you shine through us and want it for themselves. Bless us, Jesus, so that we will be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.